Were you pleased with what you, uh, you did with the show? By and large, I think it failed in terms of its consistency. It was very good some weeks, quite bad other weeks, but this, I think, is pretty much the track record of most television by virtue of its desperate overexposure and the brevity of time allotted to us to produce something that is qualitative. But overall, I would say that it was a, a creative series. We, we did much more creating than we did imitating. I think we tried things, failed frequently, succeeded other times. But I think the mark of the show probably was, the, I think, the quite perceivable attempted quality that went on in the show. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Tara here. And we have done it. You have done it as a listener. We we are through season four of the original Twilight Zone. Um, and this is going to be our, our wrap-up, like recap, thoughts, feelings, aspirations, whatever, um, for this. Uh it it has been equal parts sprint and marathon, and that's that's a weird way to kind of view this but that's kind of how i felt about it that's like oh the season was short it took forever yeah forget the gatorade man i need a couple beers because this one was kind of difficult to deal with towards the end there if we if we want to get real yeah so we're gonna be we're gonna be covering like uh we're gonna be talking about like the season like in full not not like not every episode well who knows there was only 18 episodes so we'll probably mentioning most of them just by passing but um, we're going to give our, our bottom three, top three, and then some other things as well. What I wanted to say before uh, starting off here is that I've been in a weird spot this week uh, coming into this because what I've normally done whenever we finish the season of Strange Highways is that I usually give myself a couple weeks before heading into the last episodes because most of the seasons are like 28, 33 episodes, whatever. These are only 19, so I thought I could get this knocked out pretty quickly, but I've been listening to our previous discussions, like all from, I think Friday until about two hours ago. Um, I am tired of my own voice. Let me just put it that way. I have been haunted by me, uh, and, and, and sexually haunted by Terry for the better part of this past week with everything I've been doing, listening to our discussions about these episodes. So this, this brings an extra level of, I'm glad we're done talking about season four. I, I I agree with you on the, the sense that um, like I do not want to hear my voice for a little bit longer. Uh, but I kind of spaced out how I was doing it. I I would listen for a few hours and I'm like I'm done with myself, and I put my, <laughs> I put myself off to bed for a little bit. And it's like you had too much to drink, Terry. You're going to sleep. So 
Yeah, I even tried like listening to some of the like discussions like while going to bed and falling asleep to your own voice is just you're welcoming weird nightmares. So I'm just going to toss that out there. Uh, but yeah, I, it was I was a little bit of a panic because I wanted to like I know we just covered the Bard last week. Uh, I just thought it would be fair to listen to our conversation about that again. Uh, so there there was a point where we were recording this on 730 on a Thursday. It was like five and I was like still 45 minutes away from finishing it. And I'm like, my God, can we just stop talking? Like, so yeah, I've, um, I, you know, I, I've, I've been with me most of this week and I, you know, I think I'm done with me, but so that's neither here nor there. So yes, season four, uh, some changes, uh, to the format, obviously went to the hour longs. Uh, we had lost a producer, uh, and associate of, uh, Rob Roberts, Robert, Rod Serling. I'm forgetting people's names already. This is going to be a good episode. Uh, Buck Howard, um, Buck Houghton. I'm, my name's Paul. I know that much. Buck Houghton was the producer that was with the first three seasons. He'd walked away because he wasn't certain there'd be a season four. Sir, so Serling had then to have the producer of, uh, was it Robert Hirschman, uh, and so that didn't go so well to begin with. Um, so the, the series is being stretched in ways that it was never intended. Uh, certainly had a producer that he didn't always see eye to eye with. And also his creative control was being limited. And he was also mainly working as a professor in a college in Ohio and would only come in every so often and just do the onset introductions. Um, so a lot of things were going on. We've talked about this during the course of the season. Um, but the question that we have to ask is, did the Twilight Zone, did it, did it, did it still shine through, though the, there were many challenges coming in to this season and the changing of the format and in a lot of ways, the changing of the power structure. So I think that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this episode. Um, now that we're finally done with all 18 episodes. I think that we are going to give this the fair shake that it deserves. Um, and you know, the contrast and comparison to the other three seasons and what we are possibly looking forward to in the next season. Yeah. So, um, I had realized, uh, while listening to myself and then, uh, wandering around my house, much like, uh, Jack Torrance, like in the shining, just listening to myself and scrolling scrawling on the walls over and over again. Um, something about like, you know, um, robots. It was just over and over again. Uh, you had told me earlier in the season while, while we were discussing that you and your wife had been catching up on the previous seasons of the twilight zone. Um, how far are you guys along with that at this point? I am just curious. Uh, unfortunately we did kind of put that to bed, uh, for a little bit. So we got to like just at the beginning of the, the second season, and then just our world became a little bit more chaotic because of the COVID thing and that. And uh, we need we needed things to fill our brains that weren't going to test our brains, I guess. Uh, that's, <laughs> so that's so we started watching. We started watching a lot of things that we already knew, just to get us through the rest of the night, so we can like mentally prepare ourselves for the next day of uh, chaos. <laughs> that, that's absolutely fair. I just I just re- realized that you told that to me earlier in our recordings, and. I kept talking to you like you hadn't seen any of this. So that's, that's my apology where I'm like, you don't know this one, Terry. And you're like, I've seen it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So, um, but you have, even though the first season was still trying to find its footing, you have a pretty good barometer of what the twilight zone was versus what it is in this season. So, um, like, I guess, I guess the question I'd want to ask you is 
like putting aside what you know about season four now that we're at the end of it before you came into it what is what was your general expectation of an episode of the twilight zone well like when you would be like i'm going to turn this on here's what i'm hoping to hit well i knew that there wasn't always going to be the like the, the staples like we weren't going to have the the episodes that were always standout episodes every single time uh, there are some ones that I can legitimately say are garbage from the first season <laughs> that I hope to never ever see again and but that's I mean that's not the fault of the the product itself it's you know that sometimes you get a bad episode you get a bad script and I mean, Rod has even said that, like, even when you played that bit before the, um, our episode started here, even this season had that, um, it's, it's just a flaw for, um, I guess, uh, the format. I mean, you're going to have something that's not really up to par. And I think I had that quite a bit of times, um, in everything I've seen in the past and in, in most recent watches too. So I didn't really hold this season up to those kinds of like high standards of what everybody ever thought like the twilight zone was. But yeah, I, I, that's, that's fair to say that. And I don't know if that answers that. No, (laughs) you know, I I think, I think that what you're saying, um, is that you weren't like you, you didn't have stars in your eyes in the sense of like, it's the twilight zone. This is going to be magic every time. No season one taught you that's not the, the case, you know? Um, People like when people talk about the show that have seen this and there's discussion about it, there is a lot of discussion about like season four kind of being a lost season and being not worth the watch. Um, and we're going to get into a lot of reasons of why that is. Uh, I, I think that if you were to average it out, I think it's probably like a, a 35, like 65 proposition of like, there's some good here and there's like more bad than good, but that doesn't dismiss the good that's here. You know, like they, 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 they swung and missed a lot more than they hit. Um, but you could also argue that if you look at the first three seasons that because they had a much larger episode order and the stories were shorter, that the misses didn't feel as bad here you're committing to an hour. So if, if it's already missing in the first 15 minutes, it's going to just, it's going to, um, it's going to linger, you know? So I think that might be why people are more unforgiving of the season. Right. And, and even in some of the episodes that people put on such a high pedestal, they have their own flaws too. So, I mean, nothing's, Nothing's held sacred here. I mean, I, I'm able to tear apart good episodes as well. And I think that there was a lot of good in this season. And there were, there were, I guess, glimmers of hope in other episodes too. So, I mean, it wasn't like a slog to get through all of it. But some of the bad ones were so bad that I, I just want to erase them from my memory. <laughs> so I have, I have a paragraph I'm going to read from... Uh, the Twilight Zone Companion um, by Mark Scott Sacree. Uh, it's it's regards to the fourth season, obviously, but it's it's a quote from Matheson and then Buck Houghton because I can now recognize his name because it's in print in front of me. <clears throat> During its first three seasons, the Twilight Zone had established a structure perfectly suited to its half-hour length. 
uh, and this is Matheson. The ideal Twilight Zone started with the really smashing idea that hit you right in the first few seconds. Then you played that out, and you had a little flip at the end. That was the structure. That was his quote. In order for the payoff to be satisfactory and the material proceeding, it had to move quickly and directly. The more time it took to get to the payoff, the bigger the payoff had to be. The hour length could not possibly sustain structure. Um, so this is a quote from Buck Houghton. People will go along with an old gag. Uh, you say, hey, I got this fellow um, that can walk through walls. Okay, what else you got? By the time the 40th minute comes along, you got to be walking on water to keep an audience. So I think that kind of... I think that kind of sums up that like, even though Buck Houghton wasn't part of the fourth season, I think they understood there is, uh, um, there's, an, there's a power in, um, the shorter in and out. Right. Cause then, um, there, I'm not saying that you can't have longer form creepy stories and well done stuff because I mean, for goodness sakes, we're about to, you know, we're about to stop. We're about to put the brakes on the original series and get into the Jordan Peele stuff. And that's going to be longer form as well. Um, but I think at this time, I think that there was a certain, um, formula, whatever structure is probably the right word, but it's, it, it's easy to get that nice zing and be gone as opposed to, all right, you've, you've hit me with the, with the, with what's going on. And it's like, but oh, we got another 30 minutes. So then how do you, how do you keep going? And I think a lot of the episodes that we saw this season, um, with a handful of a couple that I just, I want to never ever think about again. And once we get done talking about them here, I'm hoping to never think about them again. I think a lot of them landed their punches and then, just stood around and waited like a good example. That would be, um, uh, would be like in his image, the very first episode of the season where, you know, you got about halfway through and there was some good stuff. And then it just kind of, I don't know. It just kind of like it meandered and it was like, it, so the power the powerfulness of what was going on with the main character finding out that he was, you know, created only like, you know, two weeks ago or whatever and was a robot, like that's pretty interesting. And then it just kind of, it, it, it doesn't know what to do for like the last 20 minutes until it ends abruptly. You know? So I think, I think that was kind of the barometer. I think in his image, unfortunately it was kind of telling us, I think it was kind of the, 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 the foreboding like of what we were going to expect with season four. Yeah. And those are the kinds of episodes that you knew had to be rewritten for the hour long format. And it, they suffered from it, uh, and it's it's kind of a bummer because if we would have had an episode like that in the shorter format, it probably would have been a big banger for you know like everybody's uh, idea of what Twilight Zone would have given us. You know, like it would have been a memorable episode uh, and held up to the test of time. And but you know that's not always going to be the case, especially throughout the rest of this season. We've had some of those episodes where you can be like. And what do we do now? Like, I think we got the just of it, just of it. Let's just move forward and, you know, wrap it up, Rod. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, and and I guess you're right to to prove that point further would be something like in season threes to serve man where, you know, the whole thing people remember about that is like, it's a cookbook. It's and that comes so quick at the end that you don't have time to think about like, well, let's, let's walk this back a minute but it hits so big that you're like, holy shit, they're just, uh, they're just packing people on the UFOs and just uh, going to stuff them. So eat them later. 
oh, that's messed up. It's like it had the, had that episode showed up in season four, that would have been the midpoint. And then it'd been like the next 30 minutes would have been, I don't know, just discussions about like, you know, different recipes for man. I don't know, but that's, I feel like that would have like completely overstayed its welcome. Yeah. I'm glad that certain, certain episodes didn't have to fall to the fate of switching to the hour long format. And, you know, and there's a lot, there's the one big thing that people forget about is this season in some, a lot of people's eyes actually was not even supposed to happen. This was filling a time slot that it, it it justified it to need to be an hour long. I mean, they were trying to replace another show. Yeah. I, so way, even way back in season two, CBS was grumbling about like, we should make this an hour long. And, um, Buck Houghton and Serling kept pushing against it. So then when it got, um, though it wasn't officially canceled at the end of season three, but they were going to do some retooling. And then they brought that weird, um, student exchange show called fair exchange in to take its place. When it then came in to be a Mrs. replacement for that show, uh, I think this was just basically CBS being like, well, now that we've gotten this out of Rod's hands a little bit, now we can make this like, you know, appropriate television. Uh, so this is just a case of people seeing um, the potential for, I don't know, more ad revenue or like trying to fit. Like, I think the Twilight Zone was very much a square peg and a round hole for its entire runtime and the way that it would defy, you know, defy like a lot of like, uh, you know, modern uh, conventions in terms of like a storytelling, um, like subjects and topics that bring up. And because it had like a decent, um, viewership, not big, but decent, uh, CBS just never knew what to do with it. And I think they were trying to, um, hammer it more into a CBS show, Versus letting the Twilight Zone just be its own thing and have them take solace that a solid market is still a solid market that, you know, it's devoted. You have people tuning in on a Friday night. Yeah, it just, I think that's something now that with a lot of the rise of the streaming services, which is funny because of CBS All Access with the Twilight Zone, I think now with everything being so fractured and pulled apart, um, most companies would kill to have that type of dependable turnout that the twilight zone was bringing. It may not have been the biggest numbers, but it was dependable. And at that time you had so many different shows that were like a one and done. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, Rod was able to get three seasons out of it and have quality material on television was awesome. And I, I I'm surprised that CBS dicked him over as much as they did at those times, like trying to really force, uh, him to, I guess, like hurry up and not get the best quality material. out. I mean, you could tell that Rod was a very meticulous guy. He wanted to give the, the viewer the best quality uh, episode that he possibly could. And he, he recognizes the flaws, but it's also, you know, sometimes the odds are against you and you just kind of have to put something in there and hope that you can, you know, get, get somebody to dig it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's fair, and I think uh, it should be worth mentioning now that we did get some returning writers. Uh, we did get Charles Beaumont, um, kinda like I think I think we got more him earlier in the season than we found out about how towards the end he he wasn't really doing the writing because of his uh, his failing physical conditions. We we got some Richard Matheson in here. We got um, an Earl Hamner Jr. script, um, but we, we we got 
you know, we got some of the mainstays coming back over too. So as much as, as much as Serling was losing control of this, and I'll give I'll give credit to Hirschman too because I was reading some information about him. Even though he was kind of a thorn in the side of Serling, and he he would always paint it as like Serling can do better. And I'm not saying Hirschman was wrong for some of this. And also, since Hirschman himself was a director, the directors of the episodes liked him because he was able to run down and do pickups without like hiring district people. He was able to streamline the process. I think Hirschman also was trying to keep to keep a lot of good people around. Like there was the director of photography, I can't remember his name. But he came to him as like, I like what you do. You're sticking with us. And like, there was a lot of him trying to keep like elements together about what made the Twilight Zone work. Um, I just think he was given a thankless job of taking a thing that was never intended to be an hour long and force that through, but then also be um, devil's advocate for its creator and try to get the best that you can out of him. So I'm not saying Hirschman was the best person for this job, but I don't, unless it was, unless it was Buck Houghton and then the other guy that Sterling brought in was able to bring him later. I don't think Sterling would have been unhappy with anybody producing that show. Yeah. And I, I, I give a lot of credit to the, the fact that they were trying to keep this, the, the brat pack is close together as possible when the, when it came to making these episodes. But when you have almost like the perfect storm against you, it, it it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna break it down a little bit. I mean, like some of these episodes really show the, the faults right up front. And I, I don't know it, who to blame more on that than, than the hour format. I think the hour format for this season was the the biggest fault, and it, it's kind of a it's it's kind of frustrating because you and I can uh, can talk about it all day how much we thought the episodes should have been shorter, but we also have to say that some of the episodes were perfect at the the runtime that they were because mm-hmm. we needed a little bit more meat to the bone. Yeah, and even as I was flipping through some of the books and reading about like. After the fifth season, not the, spoiler, it gets canceled in the fifth season. Um, Serling was even like putting together ideas for a sixth season that would have had two parters. And so when you talk about something running the perfect length, some of the stuff like you could have put the button right in the middle and been like, come back next week, see how it turns out. And it would have held up. So you're right. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a matter of sometimes trying to stretch something that wasn't very big to begin with and it was never going to fit. And then there's some that we're, we're perfectly okay. Um, before we get into our lists of things, uh, because that's, you know, it's, it's the internet age. We got to have lists of things. Um, I do want to note that, uh, overall, like, uh, people as much as like, you know, in hindsight, people will, will poo poo this, this season. Uh, I, I did, it did win an award actually. So I, I want to mention that before we get into our lists here. Um, it's, this is from, um, the twilight zone, unlocking the door to a television classic by Martin Grahams jr. This is, this is the book on the twilight zone. If anybody wants to pick it up, it's awesome. Uh, here's the, here's the, the, the sentence or the part of the paragraph. Uh, the hour long season did not hurt the prestige of the twilight zone. Seeing that the program received an Emmy nomination for cinematography. Um, the president of the Academy of television arts and science foundation sent Sterling a personal congratulations. It goes without saying that this most excellent program should be included in the permanent archives of the industry. So it even got an Emmy for cinematography 
in the the season that no one wants to talk about. And you could see um, there's some really using black and white as a format and black and white film. There are still some beautiful shots in the season. So it was still getting noticed for its uh, technical like merits. So I guess in the eyes of like CBS, it's like it's, it got an Emmy. So that's good. I didn't realize that it actually won an award until I read about it recently. And, and it's a, a for just cause too. I, I think it's still a beautifully shot season. Uh, there's a lot of like really good camera camera work in some of these episodes where you're like, thank God that they were able to achieve some of these shots and that and uh, the just the the I don't know the magic of of uh, filming that you're capable of doing back in the '60s that it's kind of a lost art now. Like everything's just put on a computer and cleaned up. This was one takes. So they were still filming on film. Yeah. And I mean, and people can go back and look at the, the six um, season two episodes where they tried to do the, the videotaping uh, and you can see how that doesn't hold up on film. And it just, they were trying to make it cheaper and it ended up working to only be like a couple thousand dollars per episode, which ultimately that that's nothing. So they went back to, to film. So you can see the big difference. And I think that's one of the big legacies of the series is that because it's black and white, because it's shot on film, it can still like, there's something about that, like the, 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 the shadows being dark and the contrast and the film grain that still just burns in people's heads. And that's one of those things that like I will think of with the twilight zone. So yeah, the season still, still looks good. I mean, there's some quibbles here and there, but you know, we're going to get into that. So I, I know you, you, before we get on our list, I know you said you had a standout performance or performances. I think maybe we should focus on the individuals before we get to the particular episodes. I don't know how you feel about that. I think, I think it's worthy. Let's get, I want to talk about the people first before we talk about where they're slotted in terms of what episodes. Okay. So, um, as far as my standouts go, I didn't put them in any particular order, but the ones that I really wanted to note, um, I really, I really dug what they did with the roles. Uh, I think they made it their own. So starting off my little list, um, Julie Newmar, and she played Miss Devlin of late, I think, of Clifferfield. Uh, Clifferfield. Now, I thought that she brought such a uh, an amazing aspect to this role that could have been so bland and so boring. And she made the episode stand out just because of her role. I did not like the episode. Uh, there was a lot of things that I uh, that I really did not dig. Uh, mainly the, the, the main actor, he pissed me off during the entire thing. <laughs> I could have, I could have written this episode off completely. Julie Newmar's portrayal of this, this devil character really like really made me love it just enough to want to like, look forward to watching it again because she was so captivating on screen. Yeah, I and I, I agree. And it, besides, it's 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 Julie Newmar. Um, I fond all oh, oh, I fond all over her the last episode that we talked. I'm sorry of of late. I think of Clifferfield when we talked about it, but she's good because there is a um, like she has this confidence and 
the small smile because you you it's that you're making a deal with the devil. But then there's bits where there's like this anger that just boils out of her towards um, towards the the main character uh, because as much as she's the devil, she doesn't like this man. He's a, he's an asshole. He deserves everything that's coming to him. So she has just as much contempt for him as anybody would. And she does such a good job with it. And you're right. The, like the episode, you know, I don't know if it's worthy of revisiting. I wish there was just, we could probably make a super cut of just her, but then I don't know. She's great at it. And I, and I loved, I loved the gag with her wearing the hat with all the little horns on it. And then she took the hat off and then she had horns. Yeah, it was, she was just, she was so awesome. And I think that they, they didn't have enough of her on screen because I just wanted her to screw with, uh, with the, uh, was it William feather Feathersmith, Feathersmith a little yeah. bit. more. Yeah. I wanted her to mess with him a little bit more, but I mean, for what we got, she was awesome on screen. And I think she was given a great role in that, in that episode. That's that's a good call. A yeah, very good call. Uh, do you do you did you have any? Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess I counter that with um, with Burgess Meredith as the as the devil as well, and for Printer's Devil, um, I, as much as that episode is goofy, I love Burgess Meredith, and I loved him in that episode because again, we talk about like confidence and that grin. He is just a scene chewing jerk in that whole thing, but. I would not have it any other way. Like the bit when he goes up to the linotype and hands his weird cigar to um, the lady, I forget her name. And he's like, hold this. And then he keeps typing. He's like cigar. And he makes her put it back in his mouth as he's typing. Oh God, that's a, that's a dick move. And I, I love Burgess Meredith in that role. Yeah. And I, I had him next. So I'm glad that you brought him up because he was a, a huge standout for me in this season and his professionalism it shows through and through, even in our discussion uh, when we talked about the episode improper. He he went into the wardrobe for over an hour and trying to figure out who this character was, like really trying to put a foothold in who am I going to be on on screen and what is this character like? That just shows through so much in every scene that they show, uh, Mister Smith, like. You he personifies the the seedy uh, you know devilish character so well, and I love that he did the the scar. Even though it was kind of weird, the cigar really made him that character so much more. I loved it. Uh, I couldn't get enough of him on screen too. So I another standout role. Yeah. So um, yeah. Who else do you have on your list? So uh, Jeanette. Nolan, uh, she was Granny Hart in the <laughs> Jess Bell episode. I I don't I, I guess I love villains. Um, she was she was just enough in the episode where it's like, I, I she's so sinister and I loved her uh, little uh, cattiness, uh, pun intended. I guess for what for what for the episode, um, she was playing with these characters like she was hoping that they would come back just so she could. Uh, you know, get their get their goat a little bit more, and that's that's fun to me. I liked her character. She was playful, um, but she was also sinister, and there was enough backstory to her that she she really personified the character of this 
this witch, this uh, this creepy lady, and the the cutscenes of her being the witch, and then while somebody's coming through the door, the sweet old lady again. Like that was she did it so well. It was so fun. Yeah, and and there's a bit too whenever uh, Jess Bell goes back to her like after realizing that like I. I um I turn into a panther now or an ocelot or whatever it is um and and she's like you know what do I gotta do to get out of this and 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 I like her her line of like well what makes you think you're gonna honor the second bargain when you're trying to get out of the first it's just she had this like like matter of fact and also delightful like she was delighted when she was toying with people and yeah I I just yeah she was great um and you could tell that she read the script and was like, I get to have some fun and you could, she's having fun every time she's on screen. Yeah. It, it, I really love villains. And if you can get me a good villain, uh, I, I think I can like the episode that much more. And that's why I, I gravitated towards these three individuals. And I think that they were the highlights as far as the uh, portrayals of their character in this season. Okay. So uh, you just had three because uh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw mm-hmm. out a couple more. Um, here, here's a dark horse that you weren't considering. Mike Kellen as chief bell from 35 and grave. He was the one that was being pulled towards whatever, like, th- cause he kept feeling like he was being summoned like on deck. Uh, he was the one that was in like the infirmary, his, his acting of where he looked like he was being pulled every direction as he's trying to fight the urge, but also give into it is, and I'm sure we'll talk about this episode a bit more later, his acting in it of being this man out of sorts, but being compelled, I think was a, um, a highlight of that episode. And I just want to mention it because his physical acting, he just looked uneasy and, and, and not in control of himself, which is not an easy thing to do. I did dig what he was doing for uh, the scenes that really were trying to portray uh, an outside force, taking him like trying to pull him towards whatever they were trying to pull him towards. I, I think he, he, uh, he really captured those scenes. Well, um, I, I, I wasn't as uh, thrilled about his, uh, his role in the, in the entire episode as much as you, but I did like those sequences. Oh, I mean, yeah, I just, I think that it was a standout because especially at the end when he was, he was saying, oh, they're calling mustard on me. And we thought he said, he said mustard, which I thought was great. Um, not his performance is the statement. Uh, you know, I, there's, there's not a lot to that episode, but I think he sold the anguish. So I think that's worthy of mentioning. And then the other one I would just want to bring up just because, you know, Dennis Hopper as, uh, as Dennis Hopper as a Nazi. Um, I forget his name, uh, in the episode, he's alive is Walter, uh, Volman Volman. Uh, yeah. Uh, Peter Volman, Volmer, Peter Volmer. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Um, Peter look, Vol- look at yeah. that. I, I, I didn't even look at my notes for that. Um, so yeah, just magnetic, just, it is you, I don't know. You just see this knowing what we know about Dennis Hopper knowing where he would go in his career and how much we love him as an actor, you see why he carved like his carves, not the right word. When you think of this hopper, this is what you think of like kind of unhinged, but you can't stop looking at him and he, he demands your attention and he was amazing in that episode. And you saw both aspects of him as a character too. You saw the vulnerability and you saw the, the height of power, I guess 
um, for what he was trying to do. Like he, he, he dug deep into both aspects of mm-hmm. the character. And I really, I really enjoyed watching him uh, kind of exploit himself as a, as a character as well. Yeah. So worthy of mention. So, okay. Um, so we've given, you know, we've given some people their attention and rightfully so there's some, and there, there was other good performances too, uh, through the season. Sometimes I think the scripts were feeling people like I was always happy to see Jack Klugman. Um, you know, I don't know necessarily about his character. And then, um, um, it's failing me right now. The gentleman that was in, on, in, on Thursday, we leave from home, uh, Brooks, that's not his name, but, uh, that actor, um, really, really good in that too. Um, so there's some great, there's great performances, but I'm glad that we took time to highlight cause there is, there is worth in this season uh, of, of individuals and their efforts in this too. So I think it was worthy of mentioning that and not like sandbagging the whole season. Um, yeah. So let's just do our bottom three uh, right now, and then we'll get to some of our other lists. Um, I I don't know if we want to do one on one. We'll do one on one. So I'll I'll put like my number third uh, bottom three is no time like the past. This is as much as we loved having Trevor on the show. That was a great talk. Um, he brought a amazing amount of perspective and history to it. So the conversation we had about the episode was great. The episode itself just pissed me off because it was this guy who felt like, you know, this, I don't know, I'm going to show up six minutes for a bomb drops and warn everybody and it's not going to do any good. I'm going to try to shoot Hitler, but then be pissy to the maid. So that way the Gestapo just shows up. I'm going to tell the guy driving the Lusitania to turn left at the very last second. Oh, oh, I just no, I couldn't change history. So I'm going to go back to Indiana and then, you know, still be superior and tell the woman that's all in love with me now that we can't be together. And then I want to accidentally set her schoolhouse on fire. Like I just hated that episode. Yeah. There was a lot of faults in this one. Uh, I don't really know why they presented it the way that they did, because uh, I, I don't know. Paul Driscoll was not a likable character. Um, he didn't seem he didn't seem believable when he was talking to these people. Um, he set himself up for failure multiple times in, in all of those scenarios where he was trying to change. And then he just became – I don't want to even say that he became like uh, a, a forgetful, but he just – he wasn't doing enough research. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, you have this handbook. Um, it why, why wouldn't you have known that things are going to play out – the way that they were supposed to play out and like, I don't know, do a little bit more research and a little bit more, uh, effort. If you're trying to change the world, change the world, man. But you know, know how to do it properly. It just, (laughs) and uh, you know, the, the biggest fault of this episode for me was even right in the beginning. It set me up for failure in the beginning. The time machine sucked. Yeah, it was it, not good. Uh, I, the only the only thing that is of worthy in that episode that's if people ever want to go watch it, which you know, eh, there's just the bit when he's trying to get the the snake oil salesman to to turn off that lantern, and then somehow that lantern flies at like a forty five degree angle into the schoolhouse. It's like it makes no sense, and it's like laugh out loud worthy. And I know that's not the intent, but I just. This one, it's just, there was potential there, I guess. It just, everything about it pissed me off, and I was just frustrated the entire time. 
Yeah, uh, but I I really enjoyed uh, Trevor uh, giving us a lot of like insight about what was going on during these times, uh, the different uh, time sequences were in the show, and it it was very insightful. And I even in listening to the episode after the fact, I I had a lot of fun. Um, so thank you, Trevor, if you're listening, really enjoyed it. Yeah. So what's your what's your number three bottom uh, the bottom three? All right, man. I, I think uh, this might end up on your list. Uh, if not, uh, I'm going to be very surprised. Uh, the Incredible World of Horace Ford. This episode went nowhere. I I was not enjoying the characters that were presented. Um, every time that we went back to the exact same block, I was like, what are we doing now? Why are we even here we didn't learn anything the last time. So what the hell are we doing here for a third time? So you're right. This isn't one of my lists. You don't know which list though. No, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. no uh, yeah, this is my number two actually. So um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's, it's another one of those ones where there's, you can see that there's some bones here uh, in terms of an interesting idea, but it never really commits to any one thing where it's either about Horace, who is this man child, which we agree that we like, um, we like uh, Pat Hingle as an actor. We just don't like him here. Uh, this, he is, ugh, I just, I don't know, man. Uh, but he always wants to keep going back to Randolph street every single chance he gets. And it, that's something too, that we didn't get into so far talking about the season recap. Uh, there was this, like there's these reoccurring things that seem to happen specifically in the season over and over again. Like, um, like I just mentioned no time, like the past, this one, there's this whole sense of, you can't, you know, you can't go home again. Uh, of late, I think of Clifferville is the same thing. There's, um, there's all this over and over and over again. And like even Valley of Shadow kind of has that kind of vibe to it too. Uh, Passage of Lady Anne has like, you know, bits of it. Like there's this theme that has been throughout the Twilight Zone and it's not a bad theme, but my God, did they get like a Groupon for this theme for these episodes where, you know, uh, and then also like man children. There was a lot of man children in this season too. Uh, but yeah, Horace Ford, whew, um, yeah, the only the only redeeming things about this episode are the cake with like that has all the the tanks and cars on them because it's like you know I want that birthday cake still. Uh, there's that brief brief line of whenever Horace is looking out the window and his boss comes in, and he's like, "Horace, what are you what are you doing?" And he's like, "Thinking about what business?" That's that's a funny line. Um, and then the the weird ginger kid that keeps dropping off the watch, uh, but otherwise. You can see uh, there there could be something in there if someone took another pass on it, but this is just one of those ones where I the performances like sorry Pat Hingle in particular when when he's not being quiet and a little bit reflective, which is like five percent of the time when he's on screen. I just I hate him. I hate him so much. Like give him a second and he'll start talking about growing up and you know. I don't know, playing with a skip bow or whatever the hell it was he was talking about. Yeah, it was, it was, it was frustrating through and through, uh, watching this episode and I, we beat it to death uh, during our other discussion about it. And I, maybe we don't need to 
beat it to death anymore. But yeah, yeah that's sorry. I mean, Terry, it was, you want you want to marbleize it. That's what you want to do because you want to marbleize it because that's what the kids threatened to do to him when he was a kid. We're going to marbleize him. Like, <laughs> um, so that was my number two. So what's your number two? Okay, so n- number two for me, uh, the parallel. The parallel was so lackluster. I I was so bored of this episode. And upon the first watch, I was like, huh, that sucked. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I was just like left there like scratching my head. And I was like, that was it. That's that's what we got. Okay. And then – but I've had this before. I, you know, I've watched certain things and it's like let me give it a rewatch and maybe – I can find some, a real hidden gold here. No, not at all. It was a, it was a junky episode. Uh, there was nothing going on in it. Um, they just didn't, they didn't attack the subject matter well enough. It just felt like a sloppy, boring episode where they just, I don't know. They phoned it in. I don't know what the hell else to say about it other than it was, it was boring. Yeah, boring. That's the way to describe not it. Not insightful. Um, yeah. um, and this is not in my bottom three. Uh, it might show up on another list here that that's teasing people here. Uh, it, it is the most um, ineffective episode that I've ever seen in the Twilight Zone. And, and I, again, I never thought I have to pull the ripcord like going into the discussion of like, can we not talk about this? Like, I know we there. There's been plenty of episodes that have been some rough country, but this was the one where I'm like, nope, we're not going to get into it in full. And we had a fun talk about it, but it's like, oh, guy goes to a different earth and there's now a fence and he's now got a promotion and now his wife, you know, she feels weirded by him, weirded out by him and the president isn't Kennedy. Oh my God. The world has shattered. It has shattered. Like what? That's it. Like he goes around telling everybody why history's different, but yet street names are the same and common acquaintances are the same. It's like, this is uh the smallest butterfly effect I've ever seen. Yeah, it, that, that's a good way to equate it because uh, if we wanted to see an alternate universe, an alternate dimension or whatever they want to call it, the parallel, this this was so boring and so bland, I didn't expect it to be that bland. So when I watched the episode, I was like, that is so – that like that is – boner killer like that i wanted something more <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like it's, the best the best way i could describe it because i was like yes this is going to be so cool twilight zone parallel dimension what just happened it's okay just follow me for a second you've you've grown up in this area so you might get this reference it was the captain d's to a long john silvers is that is that is that appropriate or do you know what i'm talking about <laughs> I've heard the term, but I've never been to either one of them. Sorry, so, no, no, let me rephrase. I, 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 it's the Arthur Treachers to the Long John Silvers. There were Arthur Treachers in Cleveland. I, I don't know. I even know what that is. I, how about this okay. analogy then? Okay. Uh, it is the Captain Taco to Taco Bell. I've never had Captain Taco, so I feel like now we're both on like this different size of the divide. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is, it is, it is the Denny's to a less shitty Denny's. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, okay. Yeah. I see you there. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's the steak and shake to steak. No. Uh, so yeah. So, okay. So that was your, that was your number two. 
Yeah. All right. So the number one, and I think I think this is the I think we might have something in common here. Uh, my number one is the Bard. Uh, I know we just watched it last week, but it was the most insufferable comedy episode in a series full of insufferable comedy episodes. Aside from Burt Reynolds punching, getting punched by uh, Shakespeare, uh, never again, never, ever, ever, ever again will I watch that episode. Yeah, I need the Men in Black like memory phase <laughs> thing to happen because this, I, why are we leaving the fourth season of an amazing series like what Twilight Zone has given us so many times on this note? This is what we're walking away from the fourth season with. I was so like let down. Like you could just hear all the like air come out of me. I was like, what in the hell is this episode? I mean, with the caliber of Burt Reynolds too, this is what we got. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I, I think we came to the realization that as much as I think Rod Serling's a witty man and I think he's a delightful individual to hear him talk, and he's very, uh, he's the first person to, um, talk down to about his own works. You know, like I'm not saying like, I mean, it's a self-defense mechanism, but I think he's very realistic about what he, what he is. He's a very humble man. Uh, I, I don't think anybody ever came up to him and been like, Hey Rod, yeah, Rod, take, take the cigarette in your mouth, Rod. You can't write comedy. Please never, <laughs> never, never, ever, 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 ever write comedy again, please. So Yeah. I mean, because and if you go back, I know you said you're only partly through season two. That means that you saw the season one episode, Mr. Beavis with uh, Mr. Beavis and his guardian angel. I despise that episode. And that was a backdoor pilot for um, a potential series of Mr. Beavis uh, being you know, on weekly adventures with his guardian angel. Um, and then. That was that was Sterling's attempt at a comedy series, and I think that episode's terrible. And then in season three, season three, we have Cavenders coming, which is another backdoor pilot attempt of a guardian angel with uh, Carol Burnett. And it's like Rod, stop it with the guardian angels and stop it with the comedy, please. And with this one, it's like you could have t- changed William Shakespeare to guardian angel. It's not that far away, and I just I everything about this episode just did not work for me, aside from Burt Reynolds, because you know. And also the, the the idea that Burt Reynolds was playing young Marlon Brando and then the one guy looked like older Marlon Brando, which was amazing, but unintentional. Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm an advocate for people just making their own opinions about this, but looking at IMDb, this is the lowest rated episode out of this entire season. <laughs> well, I mean, that's accurate. <laughs> So it's not just it's not just about it being fresh in our minds. This episode sucked. And I I hate saying that about a series that I actually enjoy quite a bit. But, you know, and I like Rod Serling as a writer, but I am in complete agreement with you. He doesn't know how to write comedy. He he knows how to, like, write, like, dark humor in that into episodes. He knows how to write wit. When it's like, he doesn't know how to write punchlines. I'll, sorry, I'm yeah. cutting you off, but I think that's where we're at with that. Yeah, it's, it's there are aspects of his writing that can be humorous, but when he's writing a full fledged comedy, it's it's not working for me. And and I agree with you in the fact that other episodes that I know he's written as well, I did not dig because 
the comedy was not funny. Like, you just need a little bit more serious Rod Serling and less comedy Rod Serling. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, so that's our bottom three. Um, you had a separate three, uh, most frustrating three, and then I'll get to my other one before we talk about our tops for the season. Okay, so my most frustrating episodes. Um, the third on my list is Valley of the Shadow. The, I felt there was a lot of promise in this episode. Um, the execution, I felt, was subpar. I, I And... You know, it's like there was some real bones to this story that I felt like were really fun and interesting. Um, I had a lot of fun watching the episode, but I I left it wanting more, like a better storyline, better scripting. And I didn't get that. Like there were some parts that were just comical because they were there was such a fall on your keys situation. It's like, <laughs> OK, we're doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so here's a spoiler. I have, a. you have your three frustrating episodes. I have a top three forgettable episodes. That's my number two forgettable episode. Uh, I honestly have forgotten about this. This sounds so terrible. It was the second episode of the season. And when I went back to listen to our conversation about it, I'm like, holy shit, that was an episode, wasn't it? I completely forgot about this one. Uh, and as much as there is an episode in which there are multiple situations involving a dog where it gets teleported and that, sorry, disintegrated, reintegrated, killed because of a ridiculous car crash and then brought back to life. Uh, said car crash into an invisible barrier, uh, like 3d printed guns and ham sandwiches. You would think this episode would be like, just like goofy, like in terms of like, this is ridiculous, but it, it treats itself so seriously that there is no fun to be had in this. And it's a bummer because this was one that you could have probably swung for the fences and made it ridiculous. And it just, I don't know. It was trying to make this big message about, uh, the science wizard coming to like, um, hidden Valley. That's not, it was the, you know, it's whatever they called a uh, hidden Valley ranch. Um, and giving them this, this technology to wait until the world's a better place. So there's this big moral to it, but oh, man, it's just, there's bits in there and you have Scotty in there too for a second from Star Trek. And there's, there's things in that like I want to love about this episode and some of the scenes, if you show without context would probably have people on their ass laughing at it, especially when the guy's rifling through the filing cabinet and finds the printed sheet for a gun. Like what? Like, <laughs> like that doesn't make sense. And then him, then making a ham sandwich as well. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was a very frustrating episode. I think that's, I think that's apt. And I also wrote forgettable because I completely forgot about this one. I loved our conversation about it. Cause I was, I was more recently listening to it and I was like, we just had such fun poking fun at this episode and finding all the, the holes in it. But the, it, and also like listening to it. And it's like, this could have been a really cool episode too. At the same point, we could have had a really captivating, uh, you know, story that, would have stood up to a lot of other episodes that really are fresh in our minds and really are important. And we didn't get that. Like this was kind of a, a goofy episode because of those flaws, but I could see the bones there. We could see the structure and we could see the promise and at least I could, and I didn't get that. And that's why it's my third most frustrating. Okay. So what's your number two? All right. Number two is the 30 fathom grave. 
I saw too much in this that was ridiculous and hokey. And um, <laughs> listening to our uh, our cast about it really emphasized the fact that there were things going on in this this episode that made no damn sense. Why did he go down, what, four times? The diver. What four was his name? Time. It was, um, oh, I forget the diver's name, but they kept the sitting him down. And they kept promising him stakes and he never got them. Yeah. Like, McClure. Yeah. McClure. Yeah. And then, and then the next episode, Valley of the shadow. Sorry. That was, that was the third episode also directed by Perry Lafferty. The dog was promised stakes. So we determined that Perry Lafferty, his director uh, trademark was the promising of stakes that never happened. Um, so yeah, McClure. Uh, yeah. The, so I'm a more forgiving the episode than you are. I, Guys, I, everybody listening to this this right now, I need you to know that like Terry was so he's so he doesn't want to like upset anybody that might like something because he's a nice guy and wants to to do right in the world. He openly admitted to me after we got on recording the episode how much he didn't like it. You don't get that vibe from him during the episode that we recorded because he's trying to be polite. I cannot wait for him to open this thing up like a pinata right now. <laughs> all right again right. i guess i've grown as a uh a podcaster and a critic at this point i i i thought that there was some really goofy ass parts in this episode and some of them we exploited uh you know the seed weed thing the fact that mcclure went down multiple times the 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 dialogue between everybody made no damn sense like <laughs> It, it like in the commentary that like like the the side hands had. Well, I think it's ghosts. Can we have better writing? Like this was a poorly written episode, and but at that same point, it's such a captivating story. Like like if we had this as a better written episode, it could be so kick ass. Like there were things that were mishandled that we could have been like. That's it. This is like the best episode of the season, but we didn't. This was another boner killer for me. Like it, this is the number two on the boner killer <laughs> list. Like I wanted more. And I like, especially when we saw such kick-ass episodes, which we're going to talk about in the rest of the season, this was like, this is how it was going to be handled. And this is what we got out of this episode when we could have had so much more. Yeah, and and to know that this was the only one that was prepped like around the time of season three with the knowledge of going into the fourth season. So Rod had originally written this for like the half hour format and then padded it out with um I think there's I think there's forty minutes of Bill Bixby reading numbers in there somewhere. I think that's what actually what happened. Um the the idea of like this ghost story thing, again. I, I I like that, and I think I think where I fell on this one was uh, um, because we had just come off of in his image. This at least felt like a complete story that kind of went A to B for, for the, the the bigger story going on. So I was more forgiving of it at that time. But you're right; it was frustrating. There's things here where it's like you could have done more with this, as opposed to having these like these rotating conversations of like, I don't know. Do you think it's a Spanish galleon? It's like, I don't know. I think it could be ghosts. I don't know. Do you think it could be, you know, communists? I don't know. Do you think it could be uh, you know, like, do you think it could be jellyfish? Whatever they're talking about. 
it, it was trying to bring this like workmanlike quality to it of like this is the day the day operations on the ship and like you know there was many scenes of just people at work and I kind of appreciate that from the abstract of I think some interesting and in sci-fi can happen when people don't realize that there's crazy things going on around them. If that, if that makes sense, like, like I'll throw to the thing at the very beginning, it's just these guys that are like a research outpost and then shit gets crazy, but you know, they're there doing a job as opposed to, I don't know, Scoob, let's go into the haunted house, you know? So I think this was a decent setup of the ship, just going about its job and finding something weird. Um, I don't think that the hour long format uh, served it well. And I don't think Rod prepped this to succeed for the hour long format. So you're right. I agree with you completely. Yeah. And, and by no means do I think this was like one of the worst episodes. It didn't even end up on my worst list. Uh, but it, it was just like, I saw that there could have been so much more here and it, it piqued my interest for some, like a better ghost story. And I didn't okay. get that. And here we are. But, uh, so yeah, moving on, uh, the last on my list and number one, the incredible world of Horace Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's gotten nominated for two awards so far. Like that you, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, what do they call it? The, the, uh, the Razzies the or whatever. Yeah. The Razzies. Yeah. There you go. This is our Razzies here. Um, it got two. um, it was so boring, but in the same hand, we could have had something that was very interesting. The idea that this guy is like almost trapped in a, a childhood mind and is trying to find something. When he went to that area, we could have had something more. The fact that he was going through the exact same steps three different times, that didn't give me any like interest throughout the rest of the episode. But the fact that we had somebody who was trying to achieve like this unlocking of a part of his, uh, his childhood and like trying to move forward. That's an interesting concept or like a, a time, uh, a time loop that he's stuck in. That that's a cool concept. Very boring, not achieved. Well, uh, I don't know what other like wordage to use. It fell flat for me. Okay. And everything you're saying is right. So, I think that some of the things it was kind of trying to dabble with were interesting. So I think, I think your statement that you said earlier about, um, I forget what, you, what your frustrating episodes. I think it was, uh, the parallel. I think your thesis statement for that was there was good bones, but it didn't like, they didn't do enough. I think that's the thesis statement for this season as a whole is my God, you could see the bones, but they didn't always connect all the tissue to make this a functional living organism at times. So I think that's, I think that's the biggest way to kind of sum up the season. I know I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse before we get to our best of, but um, I think that sums up exactly how I feel about the season. Yeah. And these three episodes are kind of like a small portion of the frustrations I did have with other episodes i i could have made this list a little bit longer it didn't feel necessary <laughs> i like the but, idea that there's 19 the, sorry 18 episodes top three bottom three and then the other 12 would be on your list right now <laughs> yeah. but, but see here the thing with this episode in general is um 
it, it, it was like it wasn't handled well from the beginning. And I think because of these two things, this is the one episode if we would have gotten rid of it, if it would have been a 17-episode season, I would have been completely fine with it because this is the most forgettable to me because it wasn't handled well and the episode was just – it sucked. It just – it was a terrible episode. Um, and yeah, I wish, I, I wish there was an artist rewrite on this. Like I wish that somebody would come back in and on these three episodes, rewrite them and refilm them and give us a better product because they just, they made me want more. I, I almost like, it's funny you say that. Like I almost want to kick around the idea and I know this would take too much time and effort and I'm not, I'm not a productive person. It's easier to open up a mic and drink and talk with your friends. Let's just be honest. Um, I would love to go back and do like a comic book series of Twilight Zone season four revisited and reworked for every episode. Like just kind of go through and the, though the ones we like tweak it and just be like, here, this is what this is. This is we're going to shine. The, we're going to shine these turds up. Like what, what's the, the line from uh, Christine? Um, did you hear that lightning? That's that's behind me as I'm like t- t- talking about the scary idea, this lightning and thunder. Um we might lose power. This would be amazing. <laughs> Can you hear that? That sounded like a monster. I, I thought yeah. it sounded like a monster noise. What? I didn't know what the hell that was. Yeah, it's, that's it's thunder behind there. me. Um, it's not. It's not fireworks. What Darnell say? You can't polish a turd. I think. I think I would love to yep. do like a like a season four repolish of all this, and go through and kind of like reexamine and take some of these like these things and kind of like shine them up a bit. So. It's funny that you say that. That's kind of where I'd like to be with this. So here's, I'm going to give you my, my other list that I made, and then we'll go to our tops. I wrote top three forgettable episodes. So Valley of Shadow was number two, because like I told you, I honestly forgot about that episode. So I was like, oh, shit, we talked about that. My number three forgettable episode was Mute, because that was such a muddled mess the entire time that it pissed me off. And then listening to it again, I'm like, yeah, there was something there, I guess. And it probably would have been a better short story, but I'd forgotten about the bulk of that episode until we went back and listened to our discussion about it. Like, great. What the hell was that? That one of the lower rated uh, episodes on here too. Um, I just, I didn't feel like there was much that they could do with the concept. Uh, I think it was kind of like a drab, um, kind of like uh, story idea, and I didn't really, I didn't fall in line with it. Even while everything else was going on, I was like really trying to dig deep. Like there were some fun things that were going on in the episode, especially when we uh, we discovered that silence was written on the chalkboard and then erased. That was fun. I think it was a nice little gem in there. Um, the fact that like. Uh, the mom is well, not the mom, not her mom, but the the surrogate mom kept on burning the letters. Like it really, really there were some fun things going on there and like interesting things, but the episode was forgettable. It was like the only thing that I look back on as being even remotely uh, intriguing was our our look on the episode, episode itself, our discussion on the episode. Yeah, so. And I said it back then, I'll say it now. For an episode called Mute, it really had nothing to say. So that was my my third most forgettable episode. Uh, and then, so I, the parallel, sorry, Valley of the Shadow was number two. The Parallel is my number one most forgettable episode. We've already talked about that. It beat the shit out of it because it is the most just, I, 
it is like I don't know how else to describe it. Like we've already described it as the, like a a uh, the shittier Denny's. It is just nothing. There is n- this is a nothing burger of an episode, and the fact that it's like an hour long just is frustrating to me. So like I I would hold this um, as nothing happening and not as interesting as the bulk of my um, frustration frustratingly watching. Are you afraid of the dark? where I always get frustrated with all those episodes. I'm just going to throw this one like, you know, you know what? Maybe Are You Afraid of the Dark isn't as bad. I could always watch the parallel. Yeah, I, I mean, even when we had the cast, you pretty much was like, nope, not happening. I'm not going to discuss this. Wish you would have done that with the Bard, but Well, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that, like, I thought, I thought me pulling the, you know, in case of emergency break glass, I thought that was the only one. And I, 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 here's here's my promise to you, Terry, for season five of the Twilight Zone of the, the original series, uh, you and I will both have a we'll both have an uh, emergency break glass option. You it doesn't matter. It's not that we don't have to agree on the episode, but if coming in, you're like, you know what? We got to break the glass and we got to we got to save the schoolhouse of all these kids. I'll allow it. And I just hope that, you know, because we're going to get the, like 30 plus episodes of that season. I think you and I both get a. Um, we both get a hall pass on some of that because you deserve it. You, you would, you unlock the achievement of season four. Um, and I thought this would be the only one that I would pull that on. And then I did not even know the, um, the, uh, the wasteland that was the bard. You know, and I appreciate that. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're, uh, putting this, this new rule into effect. Uh, I think we need to we need to sauce up the podcast, uh, and I think this is it. Um, and you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll conduct ourselves in a, 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 a I guess a respectful manner when it comes to the listener. So if, if we're putting this out there now, if we do this in the future, we will have a discussion with you if you want to have it about an episode. But there are some episodes of Twilight Zone and probably future shows that we will cover that are going to be shit. And the parallel was shit to me. So I'm sorry if anybody dug it. Some people did on IMDb. It had a higher rating than miniature. I don't understand that. But there it is. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, not like it. <laughs> I think whatever series that we cover, whether it be this or even, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think with the new Jordan Peele season two, I think we need to talk about all 10. It's 10. It's current. No matter what, I think, I think we need to dig in. Like we need to get our, like get our hands dirty with all of them because it's new product. I think that, I think we won't pull the ripcord in any of those. That's me yeah. knocking on wood or whatever is close to me. That's wood. Um, but I think whatever series we cover, whether it be the old twilight zone, night gallery monsters or whatever, if there's just during a season, I think you and I both get, you know, one golden parachute just to, just to bail out of an episode. I think that's fair. And I think, uh, I think we'll still do the discussion of whatever it is that comes. We'll do, we'll do well, but I don't know if some things aren't as worthy of as deep of dive as others. And I'll just leave it at that. True story that that uh, 
the that is the diplomatic way of doing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, um, look at this. Uh, we're now we're now in the home stretch of the season four here. So let's do our top three. Um, I did ask Terry um, after we got a recording after the Bard. Uh, we had a cry, and um, you know we uh, we faced we did some Zoom meetings, and we just like sobbed to each other about that episode. Um, I asked him because not only did Terry and I watch all these episodes for season uh, four, there was a third person that I know watched all of them. And that is Terry's wife, Kat, who watched all of this. So to my knowledge, there's only three people that have seen all four episodes. Sorry. Sorry. All 19 episodes of season four. 18, 18, 18 whatever. I forgot about the, the incredible world of horse for it already. So please. Yeah. All 18 episodes. Um, so she, she watched them as well. You said you got her top three. Um, do they align at all with your top three or is it different? They're not completely aligned, but she has some favorites that are very similar to mine. So, okay. um, do you want me to start with hers? Well, well, I'll, I'll say my third one and then you can tell me, cause I have a feeling that they, we're going to have very similar, similar interests. It might just be a matter of position. So, I'll start with my top, my, my third, and then you can tell me where she lies with this too, because she was a trooper and she's been excited to listen to us and to support you. And that's amazing. And Kat's awesome. And I love her to death. Uh, and she put up with some rough roads. So I wanted to get her opinion about some of this as well. So I'm glad that we get a third voice here for the three people that have watched all of these episodes and no one else has. Um, so my, my number three, is the new exhibit. And how could that not be in the top three of, of the season? It's a great weird episode. Uh, Marty uh, Balsam is like weirdly um, distant with the death of his wife and his brother-in-law and then gets weirdly uh, upset when his boss dies, but the, the wax murder dolls and all the little shop of horror vibes and this whole thing. It's just, it is a, it's a weird silly crazy episode that doesn't shy away from what it is and I enjoyed it all the way through and I loved our talk about it yeah it was a very interesting episode from the beginning because uh, you know my wife and I we watch a lot of true crime stuff uh, there were some of these characters that were in here as far as the wax figures that we done, did not even know about um, so you know it was fascinating to find out more about those murderers and that um, and I, I'm really, I was, I was having fun with this episode from the beginning. So yeah, so it was fun. Um, and if we, if we're keeping cat is like the buffer between us, um, <laughs> this was, this is her number three. Oh, perfect. I knew her and I were friends for a reason and not just because of our mutual love of you. So I just want to throw that out there, but, oh, um, that's so know. cute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she was she was captivated by it. She really dug this episode a lot, and um, you know, in, in our discussions, uh, there was a lot of like uh, turmoil and like how she was feeling about a bunch of these episodes. She actually liked quite a bit of them. I was surprised. Um, I mean, you know, some of the ones that we thought were both like crap, she aligned with those. Uh, but she is an independent thinker and I'm glad that she, uh, gave me her views the way she did. And she really liked this episode. Good. I like my wife is also a lot more forgiving of certain things than I am. So there's times where she's like, I thought it was okay. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I just, 
I don't know. That's that's the 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 stupid neckbeard part of me that that pops out every so often. Of like, how can you like something but just like it, you know? And she loves a lot of things that I don't understand. So I wish I wish I had that same type of like like um, wide openness to things at times. So I'm glad that uh, Kat was much more accepting of some of the stuff that maybe you and I uh, were like, yeah, but what about this? Yeah, she was. And, and there were some times where I was like, you really felt that way? Okay, fine. <laughs> but, no. So, so okay. uh, I'm, to my, I'm sorry, what? No, what was your number three? Uh, so my number three for the best uh, was Printer's Devil. Um, we, we talked about this episode, but I don't think it gets enough justice. This is one of the, like the standouts for, uh, the season. And I really dug it. I think there was a lot of fun stuff going on in this episode, a lot of creepy things going on in it. Uh, it was a very dark episode and I liked dark storylines. I, that's my bread and butter. Uh, I watch a lot of weird stuff and I, I accept that <laughs> some people need to accept it. If you're listening right now, I like weird, dark shit. So this was a very dark episode. Like even oh, as he is, Mr. Smith is writing the headlines later on in the episode. There's all this carnage that's going on. Like, <laughs> um, uh, like a canoe tips over, uh, uh, Oh, a wife is killed by her husband and stuff like the crazy stuff. It was a very dark episode. And I think that the twilight zone has really relished in the dark and it was good to see as dark of an episode as it was in this and had Burgess Meredith playing the devil. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. And I, I, I you know, I, it was, you know, it was in my top half of the season. I, I just think, uh, I think maybe, <laughs> I think maybe my biggest problem with the whole thing was that stupid sound cue, that weird um, drop kicking a ColecoVision every time something happened. It was like, like, I just hated that sound cue so much that it kept me out of my top three. However, Burgess Meredith is great. I am. It's a bummer that we're not going to see him again in the original series. Uh, and it's also a bummer because he played such meek characters his other times he's on the show. And this is the first time he got to just like full on, just be an asshole. And it was wonderful. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was fun. I, I don't know. Like just seeing him be uh, something completely different from uh time enough at last. It was, it was really like, you could tell he's such a multifaceted actor and uh, gone too soon. I mean, he was an older actor, but he, he played so many great roles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's my number three. Okay, so my number two uh, is uh, Miniature, which uh, was my, like, surprise of all surprises. Like, this is a weird episode, but Robert Duvall, as, you know, there's times where it's like, yeah, he takes some weird turns, but his character is, the entire time, he he's, the whole world pushes on him as to what he's supposed to be. And he never understands why the world keeps pushing against him when he just, he is just, he, he just is, uh, whether it be his mother, his sister, they all have the best, they have the best intentions, but they don't understand him. And it takes him to go to a museum and see this really tiny lady playing a harpsichord for him to be him and to be comfortable with him. Um, this was a, a wonderful episode 
And like I, I said at the time when we recorded our original talk about it, this is one of the handful of times where I was cheering that the main character would actually get what they wanted versus like what they deserved. Even though I would argue he deserved the ending that he got to because he, he didn't, you know, aside from him, you know, breaking to a museum and also being kind of obstinate, but whatever, like th- those are minor quibbles. He's not Horace Ford, uh, but everything else about him, he was a, a tragic figure that didn't deserve the world's expectations heaped upon him. And then when he even said at the end of the episode of they wanted me to behave in their world. And I did to fool them to come back to you. Um, and I'm, I'm quoting that in a, you know, not correctly, but it's a, it's a beautiful episode and it's a bummer that it was hidden away for 20 years because of a potential, um, legislation about someone stealing an idea or whatever. So I don't think, many people have seen this regardless and they're missing out because it's, it's a, it's a wonderful episode with good humor in it. There's some funny, legitimately funny bits in it. And it's, it's a, it's a fun watch and I loved it. Indeed, man. I, I completely agree with you. I love this episode. It, it fought its way to try to get in my top three. Um, and even listening to our uh, discussion about it, Besides the fact that I was completely drunk and talked way too much about how much I love this episode, um, it, 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 I connected with it. Um, I felt uh, really sympathetic for Charlie. Uh, I think that there is a lot of me in Charlie and trying to cope with uh, people not understanding me and not being able to fit into society and what uh, we consider like societal norms. Um, I think that you know, if you if you if you die, if, if any listener wants to dive into that, uh, that cast that we did, we will really go in depth about it. I enjoyed this episode. I think I talked too much then. I don't want to talk too much about it now, but it was a wonderful episode and I loved it. And I, I, I like your pick there. So I think it's funny that you're like, I was way too drunk talking about things. I think season four is the drunkest I've been overall with all things we've been talking about. So I'm just going to say right now, I apologize to everybody. You just turned me open up another white claw because there's no laws. Um, (laughs) I have, I have belched too many times on Mike. I've done the whole thing where I go take a drink and be like, like I've done horrible mouth noises this entire season. It's unprofessional. Um, So, We'll see what happens in season five, but this, this one has sunk me in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just, I thought this was a surprisingly sweet episode um, and unexpected. So what was, uh, what was cats number two for, for the season? All right. So this, she battled like it, she had inner turmoil about these two, but she finally settled on Valley of the shadow. Okay as her number two. She, she really dug it. And, um, is she a fan I of ham sandwiches? Cause I'll make her a cheese and ham sandwich. It's fine. Like I, you know, I'll do that. I'll make her a ham sandwich. I'll 3d print her a ham sandwich. She said she had a lot of fun with this episode. Um, and I, I, I guess, um, I didn't really go into a deeper discussion with her. I was just more flabbergasted that she considered this her number two. <laughs> I didn't want to show my hand, but I, I didn't, I didn't even tell her what my top three was or, or any of my lists. Honestly, I just was like, okay, right, yeah, 
number two? Uh, sure. Well, we'll do that one. Well, I mean, <laughs> and she's not, I mean, again, everybody's opinion is her opinion and there was fun to be had in right. this. So I can't, I can't disagree with that. It's just, yeah, cool. I, great. I'm not, you know, she saw something that I didn't and I'm jealous that she saw something that I didn't. I'm sorry if you're hearing all the thunder now from my spot. But, uh, yeah, something just happened in my backyard. So, <laughs> so yeah, it probably was super loud on your end. Yeah, uh, I was, uh, I was making noises in my chair, so who knows what was going on. So, all right. So what's your number two for, uh, for the, the, the season? All right. So number two for me, he's alive. Um, I enjoyed this episode so much. I think that there is a great commentary, uh, to it. There's a great message, uh, we we are living in a very uh, disappointing world right now where some of this some of this theme is still relevant. Uh, and like and that that's that's aside from why I put it at my number two. It, the the roles were played so well in this. I mean, I Dennis Hopper is so captivating on screen and I. I, I relished in every time that I watched him. I was like, this is the man, this is the right guy for this, uh, this role here. And then, but then we, we had the opposing point of Ludwood, Don, uh, Donneth, uh, um, playing Ernest. He was amazing in his line delivery. Like he played his role so well in trying to bring, uh, you know, Peter down to earth and like, make him human again knowing that all the all the like uh the flaws of him as a person and is still trying to uh i guess be sympathetic that's that's a that's a, a part of humanity that doesn't really exist so much anymore well i mean i think it does it's just it, it gets pushed to the margins so Spoiler, this was my number one of the season. And I think maybe because sometimes whenever Sterling gets on a soapbox in the right way and just comes out swinging and landing haymakers, this thing is just haymaker after haymaker after haymaker. And I think there are times when his social commentary is like, okay, 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 we get it. But in this case, I, I don't care how many times you swing that hammer, keep swinging. And just with... <laughs> Our recording of this season in terms of you and I physically doing the show from, from point A to point B now, a lot of shit has come across in the real world. Um, and I'm not saying that like, oh no, things, there's revelations or whatever, but there is the sea change uh, and like social unrest in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of things going on and a lot of things are now coming to the light of like the, the, the general population where it, it kills me that something like he's alive is more relevant than ever. And this was written in the shadow of world war two where like this shit should have been figured out at that point. But Serling knew that as long as there's like tendrils, as long as there's roots, this, this, this shit's going to pop up over and over and over again. And it's, unfortunate that 60 years down the line i think this episode now hits harder now than it was even intended to then and to 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 have no idea that this was in this season and that it was so masterful and so nuanced 
because like Peter, you know, he was raised, he, basically his, you know, his surrogate father uh, was a survivor of Doc How, you know, and it's like you get all these elements in there and it's like, son of a bitch. Like this was the least like sci-fi and like horror because the, the only, the only Twilight Zone bit of this aside from, you know, reality is Hitler showing up and helping out. Um, otherwise you could have kept Hitler. You could have subbed him out with somebody else that was like a former, like, or I should say a Nazi in hiding. And you could have, this, this could have been a straight up drama, but you had to have that extra little twist of like, it's Hitler. Um, this might be the lightest in terms of like fantastical storytelling, but I think it's, it's the heaviest in terms of like, I don't know, man, like this is the one I'm going to remember from this season. And I think it has to be my number one because I've thought about it a lot and it, it, it keeps ringing louder and louder in my head as shit keeps getting weirder and worse at times with everything going on with our current situation. Right. And I, you know, it was an internal struggle for me to not make this my number one, but there are a lot of themes that are in this episode that we can't excuse. We need to talk about it. I'm glad that Rod was able to put it in such a, a, a format that the everyday individual was going to have a, like a, a possibility to watch it. Um, the families probably watch this. Maybe it might have changed people's opinions because this was this is a thought provoking episode, and that's the best part about it. It gets you thinking. It gets it gets you motivated. It it has to incite emotion too. And uh, there was a lot of things that I I really dug about this episode, but the fact that you and I had such an amazing cast about it. It, it was my favorite cast that we did throughout the 18 episodes covering the season. Our conversation was so enlightening and informative, and we I think we both had a great time talking about it. Wasn't the funnest conversation, but it, the conversation was awesome. And uh, you know, the quibbles that we had during this episode are very small, minute, because the message is so big. Yeah. And I, as much as we talk about, like, I don't know, like we talked about Sterling failing and sometimes of his, his scripts, this is one that, you know, just, you could tell they had a full head of steam and good. I'm glad this is here. And if this is the thing that redeems season four and make it worthy of watch, then I'll, I'll put up with this stupid horse Fords and the bards. If that means we got this. So um, yeah, go back and revisit our discussion about he's alive. Uh, just spoiler Nazis are stupid and horrible, hateful people and shouldn't be supported. Dennis Hopper's amazing uh, as a performer, but as a Nazi, you shouldn't like him. Just throwing it out there. I think we should all agree on that. Uh, so what was cat's number one watching all these with us? What was her number one for the, for the season? Uh, no surprise here. He is alive. So we, <laughs> oh, can we talk like, about it again? Can I'll we talk? Just, can we just, <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, I don't know if we need to talk about it again, but there were, there it was. Yeah. Like she, she agrees wholeheartedly. Uh, she was captivated by the episode so much. Uh, it was a, a real struggle for her to decide this between Valley of the shadow. I don't know why, but I think there, 
there was um there was enough said there that okay. she she knew what the right decision was. <laughs> Fair enough, but okay. So what was what was your number one? I think I know what it is, but what was your number one for the for the season? All right, so. My number one is the new exhibit. <laughs> oh, I, I wish I wrote that down on a piece of paper and held it up for people to see. Like, so I could call the shot. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I had a feeling this was your favorite episode of the season. This, all right, so this is such a fun episode to me. I know that it's like a really dark episode again, um, but this felt more like Tales from the Crypt to me. It felt like all the dark shit that I usually watch anyways. I love horror. I love true crime. I love uh, reading about, uh, you know, serial killers and that. This was like the full circle for me. So I went on a a full binge of finding about these killers that are mentioned in this episode. It was it, I, it was so thought provoking in the sense that I was like, I don't even know about these guys. Of course, I know about Jack the Ripper, but who are these other guys? It's like. I've listened to podcasts about them now and that it was, it was like a real deep dive for me. But outside of that, the character work that's going on in this is, uh, it, it makes me think of like the collector that doesn't know when to stop collecting when he's become too close to the, uh, to the item itself. And that's, that's what we got out of, uh, do Martin, Martin was just way too close to the figures themselves. He couldn't part with them because he became friends with them. Like he lost his identity by being too close to these wax figures. And that's like, that's a creepy concept in its own. Yeah, no, this was, this was a good episode. Like we talked about, it was my, my third uh, top three of the season. Uh, it's just, it, you know, like the whole notion there's that, there's that bit that, um, I, I played, I think I played at the very end of the episode where he's talking to his dead wife as he's burying her in the basement of like, I'm so sorry. I just had to happen, but you know, if I go to jail, who's going to take care of the guys? It's like, that is the talk of a madman. And the only quibble I have with the episode is that when they all come to life and they come for him, there's the twist that supposedly he did everything himself and that was not established as a thing. I wish they would have left it more ambiguous. So you could be like, well, maybe he did do it. Maybe it was all in his head. And I, I just think that maybe one more pass through of the script um, would have solved all of that. But otherwise it was a delight. Yeah. And I, I kind of felt a little bit like confused at the end, but I'm still confused when I watch American psycho. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> so it made me feel like watching American Psycho again. It's like, wait, did he not do it? I wait, I don't understand. So, but it was, it was, there was enough there. Otherwise, where I was like, this is a very fun episode, um, in, in its own dark way. Again, I'm, I'm weird, people. I'm sorry, but that's where I find my fun and humor, I guess. Um, but it was, it was like, it was, it really drove had driven home the like how dark twilight zone can be. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it, this was twilight zone to me. This was perfect. Oh, it's a fun episode. And, uh, yeah, like, so, all right, good, good, good. So that's, I think that, I think we're, I think we're good in terms of our talk about season four. Um, 
you know, there was some good, there was a lot of bad, a lot of indifferent, but there's still, there's still some really good here. So I'm glad that I'm glad that you joined me on this, this journey. I dropped you into a weird spot of, uh, the twilight zone, but you know, we're going to get into later. We'll get into season five, which, uh, there's some good, there's good, good stuff to have there too. Um, but yeah, uh, this was like, no matter what, no matter how rough and silly and terrible the bard, I'm sorry, any episode was, uh, I, I've always enjoyed waiting to talk to you about this and that makes everything worth it. And I hope everybody listening also enjoys the conversation surrounding because even if the episode itself may not stick the landing, I think there's still, unless it's the parallel or the bard, I think there's still a lot of worth getting into like the guts of the episode. Yeah. We've had some hiccups this season. Um, even through our discussions and that, uh, you know, the COVID thing, it, we didn't expect it. Uh, and we hope that everything gets, gets better soon. Uh, so, you know, here we are, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs throughout this entire cast for uh, season four, but I, I couldn't imagine doing it with somebody else. Like uh, it's been an, an amazing journey and I, I can't wait for every tomorrow. Uh, I love you, Paul. And you know, I, I'm really, I'm thankful to be here with you. And I, and I, and I love you too. <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm not just disingenuous. It's just like, you know, I just texted my wife cause she's like, Oh, I just found a uh, bang energy drinks at giant Eagle. I'm like, I love you more than you know. Like, so, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm loving everybody right now. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for season four. We're done. We're past that. That's amazing. Before we talk about what's coming next, I want everybody to know that you can find us on Facebook at strange highways. We have a Facebook page. Um, it's weird that my enthusiasm for posting images the last couple episodes has kind of fallen off. It's almost as if the season has, uh, beat the shit off me like a tube of toothpaste. I don't know. Like, I think like you try to roll me up. There's nothing left. Uh, I'll do better, especially once we get the ability to, to capture more images, but you can find us on Facebook post, you know, post your top three, bottom three and enjoy the conversation. would be great. Uh, you can email us directly at strange highway, strange highways, podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Stitcher, Podbean, Google music, Apple podcasts, um, pod catcher, um, bucket of pods, Arthur treachers, captain D's, wherever you shittier Denny's, I don't know, wherever you get your podcast, uh, please rate and review us because if you enjoy our conversation, let people know. And then the more, the merrier, because this has been a lot of fun and I want more people the, not, not to listen to us. Cause you know, like I, you know, I, I, I literally spent a week listening to me. I'm good. But if you like the twilight zone and if you like digging in, you know, recommend it to other people. I think there's a lot of fun to be had and the discussion of all of this and I've enjoyed it so far and I continue to enjoy it. So please rate and review us and let us know what you think. Yeah. And, uh, thank you for all the new likes. Uh, there's still people, uh, getting on board and that that's, it's exciting. Uh, and, uh, thank you for all the, uh, the, uh, people that are reaching out to us. I just had a fan reach out to us yesterday personally and he enjoys all of our conversations and that's wonderful i'm glad that he's coming with us this, through this entire journey and uh we can't wait to discuss more content and uh we look forward to forward to the future 
every cast. Yeah. So here's the plan, guys. So just 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 follow with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to start digging into the second season of the Jordan Peele produced CBS Twilight Zone thing. It's going to be on CBS All Access. All 10 episodes are going to drop the same day. We're going to watch week to week to week. It's going to be 10 weeks of the new Twilight Zone. So before we get to season five of the original series, we're going to watch season two of the new series. So I hope you guys will join us for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Before we do that, though, next week, we thought it'd be great to get into an anthology film because we watch sci-fi horror anthology here on the show. We've talked about this at the very beginning of season four and the very first episode in his image, the body double for the main actor. Uh, his name was, uh, let's see here, Joseph Sargent. We found out that he actually directed an anthology movie uh, in 83 called Nightmares. We're going to talk about the anthology movie next week. That's the one, if people recall, have has Emilio Estevez. Um, I think it's Emilio Estevez, right? He's in that. I keep saying he's in it, but he is. Uh, there's he a is. segment called The Bishop of Battle. Uh, yeah, we're going to dig into this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, good luck finding it. <laughs> we uh, did an exhaustive search, and... Uh, it's a hard one to pin down, but I hope you guys, if you own it, watch it, join us for the discussion. If not, uh, I hope that you guys will still join us for the discussion because this is a film I remember growing up. I don't remember much about it, but it's an anthology horror film from the 80s, so that's my jam, and I cannot wait to get it into this with Terry. Oh, it's going to be such a treat, and uh, if you need to, just contact me. Maybe I'll even let you borrow my copy. So There you go. Uh, it's He's, he's going to record it on VHS and then you guys can watch it that way. So, um, yeah, so that's going to do it. That's going to be a wrap for season four. Oh my goodness. Uh, what, what, what am I, what am I throw out here? My favorite line from season four. Actually, there's two. This, this is the first one. And as pretty a slice of peach pie as ever went on a hayride. Cause that makes no sense. And then here's my other favorite line. That cat was a witch. So I'm going to, I should mention that was my honorable mention that didn't make my top three because Earl Hamner will never make my top three, but Jezbel was a lot of fun with my talk with you about it. So we didn't even talk about it that much, but yes, that's going to do it for season four. Can't wait to talk to you guys next week about uh, nightmares and yeah, we made it. We got through Terry, you and I are both alive and we made it through season four. So congratulations. High five at distance. It's been amazing. Yeah. Go. Gold star for you. Gold star for me. fiction on television what was your first uh, encounter with uh, the first the, serious encounter in, in uh, television science fiction form Jim would have been uh, I'm having a lot of trouble with that cigarette <laughs> aren't I? I think God is telling me don't smoke uh,